Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. One Bulldog basketball team plays to get on the right side of the bubble. The other Bulldog basketball team is already there and in most prospective NCAA tournament fields. Let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to this weekend edition of the Doghouse, recorded on Friday night, February 24th, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Bulldog basketball, that's the story of the weekend. All right, I should add, too, that uh, Bulldog baseball may well be the story of the weekend after the weekend is over, but uh, let's talk more about that when it comes to our Monday overreaction, which, based on what's happening already this Friday, may not be an overreaction at all. Enough of that on the diamond. Let's turn back to the hardwood in Humphrey Coliseum, where? Uh, Let's spin it to the uh, ladies first. Coach Sam Purcell's team Thursday night pulled off a home victory over Arkansas, which was expected. They did it in pretty dominating fashion as well. In the process, 20 victories on the season. And Sam Purcell, who already a couple of weeks ago had scored the status of the most wins ever by a first-year Lady Bulldog coach, has further cemented that standing with the first 21 season by a debut coach. And for that matter, a not exactly common 21 season given the history of this program. Now, most of the good history has been in the last decade or so. So let's say that Bulldog fans have gotten a little spoiled lately by seeing women's teams win. But the last couple of years showed that it's always fragile. Things can go wrong. And in fact, let's go back to early January when after a loss to Ole Miss and a loss to Georgia... Not a few were questioning whether first-year coach Sam Purcell, and I mean first-year at Mississippi State and first-year period as a head coach, was the right man for the job. Well, we tended to overlook, certainly the critics did, the situation he walked into with a team that already had a couple of coaching changes forced on them, were still shaken up, only a handful of veterans coming back. He quickly hit the portal, but it took time for that bunch to come together. Well, here they are coming together at the best time of the whole season. It's ending up in February. Their regular season ends this Sunday at LSU. Tall task for the Lady Bulldogs, but hey, LSU hasn't looked fabulous in recent weeks. The Lady Bulldogs seem to have hit their stride. Who's to say they can't pull off a monumental upset in Baton Rouge? Well, that's not the main point for right now, although certainly that's what Purcell is telling his team. At the moment, the Bulldogs are in most prospective fields for the NCAA tournament. And while once upon a time, not so long ago, that was expected, after the last couple of seasons, you were wondering how long it would take to get back. Well, unless something really goes wrong in the SEC tournament and something really gets screwy with bids everywhere else, Mississippi State women's basketball is headed to the dance again. And for the first time in her new regime, and it is just hard to overstate what an accomplishment that is for Sam Bursell. I know his uh, enthusiasm sometimes strikes a few as a little like um, unprofessional or a little too rah-rah or maybe even acting too young and all that. Doesn't matter. The team has bought into it. He's pushed the right buttons down the stretch. Jessica Carter has just really asserted herself, and now she's a finalist for the Gillum Trophy as the best player in the state of Mississippi. And frankly, if she doesn't win it, that's going to be a crime. So just a great finishing run here in the regular season for the Lady Bulldogs. Now they're looking forward to the SEC tournament in Greenville. They'll be a high seed in the tournament there. More than that, they're playing to improve their seeding in the NCAAs. I've seen them in the latest projections as a number nine seed. Every success they pull off in Greenville boosts them a little bit higher, gets them a better chance to avoid being immediately in the first round against a number one seed. But you all know how that works. You know how NCAA tournament seeding and bracketing plays out. 
it's just a great compliment to Purcell and his bunch for what they've done. And we'll talk more about the NCAA tournament on the boys' side after this talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, well, ever the season. Everything from the, let's see, NFL just finished, but hey, we're heading into the draft. I guess you could place a few wagers on that if you wanted to. Never mind. You've got the NBA at midseason. Major League Baseball is getting underway fairly soon. Of course, NASCAR is in full speed already after one weekend. Golf and on into esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag to join. And when you join, receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. The game starts, or this next game starts, 2.30, I believe 2.31 is the actual published time. Mississippi State, hosting number 25, Texas A&M. It is a game of all sorts of incredible importance for Chris Jans and his club and their postseason opportunities. And yes, the opportunity is still there, but after a very disappointing loss to Missouri, uh, you know, you remember how the Bulldogs shut down Missouri and Humphrey Coliseum not all that long ago by limiting their three-pointers? Well, they were doing a pretty good job of them in Columbia as well. And then the Tigers just chuck in a couple of long balls, and the Bulldogs go down in overtime. Now, it did not destroy the season. However, it was one of those kinds of losses that, it, while it did not hurt you terribly in the net, it's one less chance to build up your SEC record. Because let's keep in mind, right now, Mississippi State, with three games remaining, is tied for 10th. But actually, they're 11th, because Georgia has that direct tiebreak. 18 and 10 overall, 6 and 9 SEC. So obviously they have to sweep out to finish break even in the SEC, which I think would lock them into a bid. If they finish 21 10 regular, 500 SEC, I'm really confident they would have a bid no matter what happens in Nashville. Anything less than three wins, now you've put yourself in a situation where you have to thrive in the conference tournament. And AM is the first matchup here. Uh, looking at the Aggies. I've watched them a little bit off and on through this winter, uh, not just because I like their colors and their Adidas uniforms, but it's always interesting to see a program that really doesn't have a big basketball history playing well, and they are playing well. The thing is, Texas A&M is not outstanding in any single thing as far as the SEC statistics are concerned, other than free throw shooting, which, given the nature of how things happen these days and the way officials make themselves such a part of the game, does make a difference, especially at crunch time. So don't put the Aggies on the line down at the end if you expect to beat them. Otherwise, while they don't do anything great, they just do everything well and without a whole lot in the way of true star power. Now, depth is a bigger deal, and no Aggie is averaging more than 30 minutes action so far this season. What it adds up to, and this is just my casual you know, look at them real quick, haven't studied in depth, but given some looks, it's a team that is competent in all aspects, offensive and defensive, and probably more so defensive. Uh, maybe in some ways I've seen some compare them as kind of a mirror image of the Bulldogs as far as their defensive approach to the game, but with a little more depth and athleticism in a few key positions there. And with the free throw shooting I mentioned, uh, a couple of players who can get hot but tend to just basically share the ball, spread it around. It just adds up to a team that is very unlikely to beat itself in Humphrey Coliseum 
on Saturday afternoon. But it's a team that can be beaten if the Bulldogs play their own very best ball. They have not done so of late for full games. They have done it in stretches. You recall there were some moments there in the Kentucky game over a week ago, certainly at Ole Miss, where they looked like they'd taken control early and then kind of went into a lull. By the way, um, while it's always helpful to watch the rival program struggle, personal sympathies to Kermit Davis Jr. for being released today by Ole Miss, um, who didn't see that coming this year if they didn't succeed. But the former Mississippi State basketball player, son of a Mississippi State coach and player himself, Hopefully he lands on his feet. Hey, who's to say he doesn't land in Starville someday? Eh, just throwing it out there. Well, regardless, State played well enough in stretches and certainly in overtime up in Oxford, and they had every chance to take control of the Missouri game and just could not pull it off. So, what do we make of this matchup tomorrow? Well, of course, I mentioned defense. The Bulldogs, they're top 20. In fact, they're the only team, as far as I know, in the top 20, NCAA-wise, in the three categories of scoring and shooting defense, as well as steals. Well, when you're top 20 in those three categories, then you've got a darn good defensive team, but I'm not telling you anything you didn't already know. What you might not know is it's been 40 years, a little over 40 years, in fact, since a Bulldog team allowed fewer points per game than this team is giving up. Okay, that's good in itself. Now, let me tell you that that team that was a little better at it, that was one of Bob Boyd's stall ball squads where if you got to 50 points in a game, period, that was a blowout because they were so freezing the ball so much in the four corners type offense. So this is a really impressive degree of what Chris Jan's team is doing defensively. Now, parenthetically, I will add Having watched the SEC now through the course of a season, it's not as good a league as I originally thought it would be. A little bit top-heavy there. But still, everybody, even look at well, look at LSU the other night. They beat a hot Vanderbilt team. So every team in this conference is dangerous. It's just not consistent. Mississippi State has been consistent on defense. Offense has been the glaring, well, I was going to say inconsistency. But no, it's been pretty consistent, just not in a positive sort of fashion. State's only shooting 42%. That's next to last in the SEC. They're only shooting 28% on three-pointers. That's dead last in the SEC. And by the way, let's keep that in context, the overall shooting. Tolu Smith is the SEC's third best marksman in the regular season. Uh, Ponder that and consider what it says about how the rest of this lineup struggles to put the ball in the basket. Now, you can get away with that kind of shooting or lack thereof, by holding teams to 39%, which Mississippi State has done over the course of the season. Where that hurts you, though, is you can't give them the extra chances. If I had to point to one thing that not absolutely but generally has been State's downfall in their losses and maybe inability to put some teams away, it's been the odd defensive rebounding breakdowns, or rather offensive rebounding for the other team. Don't give the other team extra chances, and that's what Mississippi State has done, not all the time, not even oftentimes, but just enough times that Kentucky and Missouri were able to take advantage of those and make it hurt. So if State can get back to rebounding more consistently on the defensive end, then they'll be okay, really, because when you're playing consistent defense, remember, you're forcing them to miss that first shot. 
just go get the rebound and don't give them a second shot because odds eventually catch up with you, or so they say. Now, the thing that uh, has not been good of late, assist turnover rate. State, at one point, uh, especially during the non-conference season, the assist rate was really impressive, and so many guys were getting the ball to teammates in scoring positions. Well, the assist rates have gone down. And now you might say, well, with a team that's not scoring, of course there's not going to be a lot of assist, and you are mathematically correct there. It's more a style thing in that when State is getting baskets, it's not necessarily a tis-type baskets, as in hitting the right man right time for the easy put-in or the wide-open shot that goes down. Uh, the ball movement has not been as good in recent weeks as it was during that stretch when State rebounded from the awful start, got themselves back into contention, and now they've, it's, it's good, it's just not good enough lately and especially because the turnover rate has increased the last couple of weeks. We've said all season that the lack of a true point guard has been one of the things holding back this offense. Well, generally, the fact that there's some struggling shooters is obviously a factor. I don't downplay that. But with just a little better ball movement, especially getting the ball down the court quickly and aggressively and in the right place, right time, it just bleeds into the entire offense because then guys are getting open quicker. Guys have a chance to get that step on a defender before the other guy gets settled down. I look back at the Missouri game. I look back at regulation at Ole Miss and think, if you get the ball in more quickly to Tolu Smith, for that matter, just get it to him, period, instead of jacking up a quick three-point shot, which is something State obviously is not good at this year. And I think you come away certainly with a win over Missouri and quite possibly a win over Kentucky as well. State just, for some reason, they seem to forget about it as they come down and take that quick first open or semi-open look other than give it two more seconds. Tolu gets in position. He's got his man on his hip. The defense hasn't collapsed yet. Get it to him. Let him make a move and score the ball. Boy, do I sound like a coach sometimes. Sorry, don't mean to. I'm not saying anything that anybody else can't look at and recognize. You ride your horse, and Tolu Smith is Mississippi State's horse this season. By the way, I mentioned that Jessica Carter was a Gillum Award finalist. Well, quite obviously, Tolu Smith is the Bailey Howell Award finalist, and that's, of course he is. He's about to reach 1,100 career points, and he needs his 60th double-digit scoring game this coming weekend if the Bulldogs are to win the game, obviously. But won't it be a great twofer if both Carter and uh, Tolu come home with the two awards given to the best players in Mississippi. And I think they deserve it. If nothing else, you look at the other teams in this state. Uh, Southern Miss is having a good year, quite obviously, but you can't begin to compare it to the level that Tolu Smith has played against. But Tolu can't do it by himself, and he certainly can't do it at all if they aren't getting the ball to him more quickly. Cam Matthews, now he's had double figures four of his last five games. We saw a really good game the other night from Shaquille Moore. At one point, I thought he might even be able to pull it off and take care of things himself. It's just they need that supporting cast, and that's where you look at the stat sheet and see, once you get past Tolu's, what, 14, 9 points, I believe, nobody else is averaging double digits. That does not have to be a detriment to the team. If it's one of those situations where on a different night, a different dog gets hot and makes defenses pay for it. That hasn't really been the case too often enough, but the potential is there. And the opportunity is there. 
it's hard to stress just how much this game means to the Bulldogs. I haven't called up the latest net rankings. In fact, I probably should right now. This makes an awesome podcast when somebody takes time to start dialing up uh, something on his uh, laptop that he's talking into. But why not? Why shouldn't I do that? Net rankings. No, 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 I don't want Netflix. No, I want that. Yeah, here we go. NCAAs. Here's the latest updated net rankings as of this Friday evening. Here's Mississippi State. And they are 42nd. Well, let's see. A week ago, going to the Kentucky game, they were 40th. They came out of the weekend 43rd. Now they're 42nd, so not much movement there. And what's A&M? Well, more good radio here. Ah, A&M's 22nd at this point. Well, they're 21-7 and on the season, and they have, what, five quad one wins? That's what makes this so valuable an opportunity for the Bulldogs because – this would be a quad one victory for the Bulldogs if they pull it off. Mississippi State is 3-7 and seven against quad one. I've written before about the arcane scoring system. What is it? A team ranked 1-50 through 50 in the net. If you beat them at home, if they're 1-75, through 75, you beat them on the road, so on and so forth. So State's 3-7 and seven against quad one, but they're 3-2 and two against the second quad. They're 5-1 and one against quad three. Now, they were a perfect record against 3-4, and four. Problem is, with Georgia continuing to lose, they have now stumbled out into that third group. And that's kind of putting a crimp into State's record. I've said it for weeks now. That Georgia loss just seems to come back and haunt State in all sorts of ways. And ironically, of course, here State is tied with Georgia for 10th place in the conference standings. I can talk net. I can talk BPI, all these things. And they matter. Don't get me wrong. They matter. But it's going to be very hard for the selection committee to go all the way to a number 10 team, even in the SEC, and take them over an 8 or a 9 team in this conference. It can be done, especially if there's tie breaks involved. But Mississippi State has got to win at least eight regular season games to even be in that bubble going to Nashville. I know that's a blunt situation. But that's really what's happened now. I'm not going to blame them because I keep harking back. I was on Jake Wimberly's show this week, and I pointed out that back in early January, when State was really struggling overall in the SEC, uh, even the thought of the NIT was not an attractive option for State. And for that matter, fans were giving up on that one as well. And now to go into the last games of February with two games remaining, what next week, South Carolina on Tuesday in February, and then you wrap up the regular season with a trip to Vanderbilt, who looked vulnerable all of a sudden. That's improvement, and that's it's a far better situation than we were six weeks ago. So let's take credit for what it is, but let's not give up on what can be, is what I'm saying. State, if they beat A&M, and they can beat Texas A&M, as I said, A&M is a good, solid team that doesn't just tear people up. It's a team that doesn't beat itself, but they can be beaten by another team, and the Bulldogs have the firepower, if they put it together, to beat them. And I'm not talking about somebody walking out there and hitting three three-pointers that nobody expects. It'd be nice <laughs> if that happens, especially in the first half. You're going to see Buzz Williams' team start looking around and going, what have we walked into? Because you know Humphrey Coliseum is going to be jumping. The electricity is back in the hump. By the way, parenthetically, 
let's talk about when the hump is finished up and ready to go next season. No construction uh, now. Everything opened up and ready to go. Think about the stage this is setting for State to really get Bulldog basketball back on a new level in a revised Coliseum next year. And if you beat the Aggies and then obviously take care of business at South Carolina, which, to their credit, played Alabama to tail off in uh, Columbia, but I think they may have shot their wad in the process and State handled them pretty thoroughly in Columbia in the previous meeting. Then you're at least at eight wins. Whatever happens at Vanderbilt happens, but you feel good about your chances. The problem right now, of course, as I said, not only is State tied for 10th, but with the 11th seed, they're going to play on the first day of the SEC tournament. It can be done, but it won't happen. I just don't see any of the teams finishing and having to play on the first day in Nashville this year, having the horses to make a run to the finish. So State needs to win this. They need to get that first round by in Nashville. They need to get a favorable matchup for their own second round game to play there and add another win to it. I think that would ice the case to get them instead of Blaze. But I only think that. Remember, there are bid stealers everywhere. The nature of the college basketball tournament in the field of 68 is such that you don't entirely control your own fate when you put yourself in that situation to be what last four in, first four out, so on and so forth, all those categories that we use. Really, all that matters is State is hosting a beatable opponent on Saturday. The Coliseum should be electric, and it's the opportunity. And Chris Jans and Bunch, as, as I talked about, six weeks ago, they would have said, just give us the opportunity. Well, nobody's given it to them. They have earned their opportunity. Here it is. Here's the chance for Mississippi State to score a really big victory. You do that, and then you're in great shape going into the final week of the regular season. It all plays out in Humphrey Coliseum starting tomorrow, 231 tip-off at the hump. If you can be there, be there. And if it means uh, delaying your trip over to Daniel Field to watch Game 2 of the series with the Arizona State, uh, by the way, uh, if you can pitch and throw a strike, I think right now there may be some options on that roster. Okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about baseball. I love my Diamond Dogs, but goodness, this is getting tough and tough to watch and follow. So right now, let's just follow the Bulldogs. And also, let's follow Chris Jans and uh, Sam Purcell's bunch on Sunday. Because times are good for Bulldog basketball, men and women alike. And if they can put both teams into the tournament, if they can come home with both the winners of the men's and women's top player in the state award, you've got some guys who very much ought to be considered for coach of the year. Now, Jans won't get it because all the publicity will certainly go to Alabama Oh, well, not all publicity is good publicity, but uh, never mind, never mind. Not going to go down that road today. But what Sam Purcell is doing, he's got to at least get some votes for Coach of the Year on the women's side if they especially finish strong and have a good run at Greenville as well. Good times for Bulldog basketball, both versions of it, and a good time to talk about it, and just a good time to be here in the doghouse. All right. When we come back, it'll be on Monday. We'll be having our overreaction weekend as we talk about Bulldog baseball, but hopefully talking about where Bulldog basketball now stands in terms of the net, what the projections are for the postseason, and we'll have, by then we'll certainly know the seedings and the bracket that Sam Purcell's Lady Dogs will be playing in their own SEC tournament that takes place next week. We'll wrap up baseball. And by the way, 
check out Gene's page this past week. I hosted on Thursday a breakdown of what Sam Barbet's offense has done at Appalachian State, at Central Michigan, at Stephen F. Austin, besides the years he was an assistant coach in offense as well. Uh, If you don't want to take time to read the whole thing, just log on to it, scan real quick, and look for this summary, which is essentially that he finds the players. Doesn't matter if it's a lead dog on offense. It doesn't matter if it's just one quarterback, two quarterbacks, one or two running backs, four receivers, eight receivers. He's going to use everything he has and use it well and move the ball and produce points for Mississippi State's offense. At least that's his track record so far, and that's what we get to see starting March 7th when Zach Arnett puts his team on the practice field for the first time of this season. Until then, this is your weekend edition of The Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm David Murray, and I appreciate you checking in on this, and I appreciate you checking out our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for checking in and talking to you again on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.